turn to 2 Samuel chapter number 3. 2 Samuel chapter number 3. And I may have preached out of this, uh, this chapter since I've been here. But it's one of my favorite. Uh, our kids, I recommend our kids, particularly our young men, uh, read 2 Samuel chapter number 23 because it has some wonderful characters in it. But there's something for us all tonight. Uh, I think that will encourage our faith just a little bit. 2 Samuel chapter number 23, and look down to verse number 8. I'm going to read a little bit tonight about David's mighty men and read about some of them and allow them to encourage our faith tonight. 2 Samuel 23, look down to verse number 8. The Bible says, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachamite that sat in the seat chief among the captains, the same was Adino the Esnite, He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. Now remember, this is not a fairy tale. This is the word of God. Verse 9, and after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines that were gathered there together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. Verse 10, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil The Bible goes on to tell us in verse 11, after him was Shammah. He's one of my favorites, the son of Agi, the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Let's stop there and let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your word tonight. And Lord, as amazing as the accounts we just read are, Lord, what an amazing truth it is to know that you desire to work through us tonight through your word. And I pray you do just that. I pray our hearts are open for those here and for those that may be at home tonight. Open their hearts to receive what you'd have for us. Challenge us tonight. Change us tonight during the invitation time. Help us submit to your will in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe it was this morning that I mentioned to you that oftentimes uh, we do not appreciate the present as we should because we do not remember the past. And uh, as we come up on Memorial Day tomorrow, we'll be celebrating or observing Memorial Day. I think it's a very fitting time to think about remembrance because if we don't remember how we came about having the liberties and the freedoms that we have, uh, then we're not going to value them as we should. I think about how often I do not value you the blessings that I have today because I do not remember yesterday's hardships. I remembered, I mentioned some of that to you this morning, and I try to point out to our daughter as much as possible uh, the blessings that she enjoys now uh, compared to maybe when her mom and I first got married. We didn't enjoy those uh, quite as much. I was telling her just the other day about one Christmas where money was just a little bit tight, and uh, you just couldn't scrap up any more out of the couch cushions, and I couldn't figure out where you're going to come up with the money to buy uh, such and such a gift, and so I had a friend who had a pulpwood trailer. I don't know if they even do that anymore, have pulpwood trailers. And we went out into our woods with a chainsaw. My wife was scared to death that I was going to cut a tree down on myself. She she didn't know what type of a man I was just yet uh, that we could handle that. And we cut paper wood and we got $32 per load. And uh, that was about all that I decided to do was two loads. We couldn't handle that much more after that. Uh, But we look back at the hardships and it helps us enjoy the present day blessings that we have. Uh, Today's free 
freedoms oftentimes are not valued as they should because we do not remember yesterday's conflicts. And I just have to tell you, the devil's worked this out brilliantly to where he has such a hand in our schools to where the true history of America is not always taught as it needs to be. And therefore, that's why we're so easily and readily available to give up our freedoms in place of communism and socialism. But as we observe Memorial Day tomorrow, we're going to be observing and honoring those who died in the past that we could have the liberties in the present. And I believe it's a very timely observance, to be honest with you, because our freedoms and our rights and our liberties, I don't know if they've ever been undervalued as they are today and how quickly we're ready to give those up when how hard they were fought to have that we might be able to have the liberties and freedoms that we do. We've been watching some historical documentaries on television lately and watching about how our country came to be. And uh, when you watch a lot of these war documentaries and realize what was done, that we could have what we have here today, it cannot help but inspire you and stir your heart just for a few moments to consider what kind of a legacy we're going to leave behind. Tomorrow we will observe those who gave the ultimate sacrifice on Memorial Day. It's a remembrance of those who paid the ultimate price that we could have what we have here today. And it makes us kind of wonder what we would be willing to do to secure these freedoms for the next generation. We see these people who they did not necessarily sign up to be heroes. They just signed up to do what they felt called upon to do. And through those extraordinary circumstances, they became extraordinary generations. As a while back, I mentioned to you the uh, greatest generation came out of some of the greatest adversity. But I want you to think about tonight is think about how you will be remembered. Tomorrow we will honor those and remember those who gave the sacrifice that we could have what we have. But do you ever think about how you will be remembered and what you will be remembered for? I think all of us would desire to be remembered for something that matters. Uh, you know, I hope that you don't have to preach my funeral anytime soon, but you know, at our funerals, we talk about what people liked and things they enjoyed and uh, things that they went and did and places they went and saw and things along that line. But in the end, I believe all of us desire to be remembered for something that mattered. And I fear oftentimes we do not give ourselves and surrender ourselves over to things that matter and therefore will not be remembered for things that mattered. And tonight I want to look at that simple thought is a memorial that matters. Tomorrow we will celebrate and observe those who were willing to live and to die for something that mattered. As a matter of fact, the privilege that a few of us have to be in this building tonight is a direct result of those who gave their life for something that mattered. Now, at the end of our life, we're all going to desire spiritually that we gave our life and our time to something that mattered. And America is a direct result of what happens when people give their lives for something that matters in the end. I don't know about you, but, you know, I love football, and you know I've mentioned LSU many, many times, but in the end, I'd, I'd rather you know that I love the Lord, and that I serve the Lord, and I was faithful to the Lord than what football team that I liked. I like to hunt, and there's animals back there in my office, but in the end, I would rather you talk about how much I love God and how faithful I was to the Word of God, rather than talk about the animals that are hanging in my office. Why? Because in the end, all that matters are things that matter. And I read an interesting story that was uh, given by Adrian Rogers many years ago about a man who bragged that he had cut off the tail of a man-eating lion with his pocket knife. And great crowds gathered around to hear the man's story and to see the tail of the man-eating lion that he had cut off. And someone asked him, why didn't you cut off the head? He says, well, somebody else had already done that. 
And after a while, the crowds dispersed. Now it didn't matter anymore. Anybody can go cut the tail off of a dead lion. I mean, that's not going to matter at all. And I don't know about you, but that's not how I want my story to end. I don't want at the end of my life to be something that I gave my life to and that I did not invest my life in that did not matter. I want to give my life for something that's going to matter in the end. And tonight in 2 Samuel 23, we see some of David's mighty men. And remember, these are God's words. This is God's testimony about these men. And what a blessing it was that God called them mighty. They have a memorial that matters, and we're going to see tonight what is required to have that. There's three simple things about some of the men that are here that show us how we can have a memorial or leave a memory behind of giving ourselves to something that matters. Look down, if you will, to verse number 8. The Bible says, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. If I'm saying these names wrong, just forgive me, all right? We're just going to kind of say it with confidence. Isn't that what they do in politics? Even if you're doing wrong, just say it confidently and people believe you. Uh, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat chief among the captains, the same was Adino, the Ezanite. He lifted up his spear, and I'll watch this, against 800 who he slew at one time. Now, notice those odds, 800 to 1. Now, I'm not a betting man, but if I was going to be betting, I would not bet on the one. I would probably bet on the 800 because the odds are definitely not in this man's favor. And yet we notice, number one tonight, the first thing of why he has a memorial that matters was, number one, they went regardless. They went regardless. Notice the odds did not deter this man from going and doing what he felt called and compelled to do. Now, I'm going to tell you something. As we live our lives and we try to redeem the time of each day and do the things that we have to do, I think we bear remembering as we go throughout our day and go through our weeks and our months and our years that at the end of our life, our life will consist of what we thought mattered. And so often things that we're going to end up with and we're going to be holding at the end of our life are not going to be things that matter because we allow the circumstances that surrounded our calling to deter us from being relentless in order to pursue it and fulfill it. This man's odds were against him, 800 to 1, and yet circumstances did not limit his service. I'm going to be honest, I wish I could tell you tonight that there were times in my life, there was never a time in my life where the circumstances did not interfere with me fulfilling my service, but I live in a flesh body like you do, and I know what's going on around me, and I know what peer pressure is, and I told somebody the other day, I thought that after I'd surrendered to preach, and been preaching a while, and surely after I'd pastored a little bit, that, that peer pressure wouldn't bother me anymore. Well, I've been doing this about 25 years, and I have yet to find a place and a time where I do not tell there's peer pressure. By the way, preachers can be just as gossipy as the next group of guys. And we can put peer pressure and talk about how many you have on your Sunday. I told somebody the other day, preachers never post about their bad days. You know, we only had five in attendance today, or, you know, I got chewed out today, or, uh, you know, I preached a bomb. It's only times that we have good things happening that we post about it. But if we're not careful, we'll allow the negative circumstances and peer pressure around us, not only from the lost world, but even, unfortunately, from Christians to deter our service. But if we desire to have a memorial that matters at the end of our life, God says something positive about us, we're going to have to go regardless. And we see this man in verse number 8 who went 800 to 1. I'll tell you what, part of what makes a hero is people who stepped up in spite of their circumstances. 
That's why David is a hero. He was just a kid, and yet he stepped up against uh, the giant, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they just stood for God in spite of their circumstances. Now, folks, we've got to understand something tonight. There's future generations will look back on this generation just as we are looking back on those from the past. Tomorrow we will take a moment, I hope you'll take many moments, to reflect upon those who paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could have what we have. And we're looking back on them, and we're so thankful that they invested their life in something that mattered. We're so thankful that they went regardless. I told somebody the other day, as we go through this this difficult time, a lot of it is just inconveniences. And one word has just resonated in my mind throughout every time I have felt like complaining. You know what that word has been? It's been Normandy. I've told some of you in here that. Normandy. When I'm tempted to complain about how bad things are and how, you know, my restaurant's closed and I can't go in there and sit down at the all-you-can-eat buffets and I'm griping about having to wear a mask, all of a sudden that word just pops up in my mind, Normandy. I mean, if I could, look, if they could do what they did and stand on the edge of those landing crafts and walk right into machine gun fire for something that matters, then I really don't have anything to complain about. And yet oftentimes it's our negative circumstances that keep us from fulfilling what matters in the will of God for our life. I just think, what if God's people took things as seriously as these men? 800 to 1, and yet they went regardless. We've got to get to the place where our, our service is not influenced by our circumstances. I was thinking about this afternoon. I don't mean to embarrass my daughter. It's the second time today I embarrassed her. I used her as an illustration. It's been a while, and I did better about that for a while, but it's about time to come back full circle. And when she was a, a baby, um, I enjoyed playing with her. Boy, we had so much fun together. I dressed her in camo, and we'd goof off. And, and then all of a sudden, I began to notice, you know, something in the air. Sorry about that, bud, but it's just, it's fact of life, all right? We were all babies at one time. And I would take her to her mom, and I would say, you need to, you need to take care of this. I enjoyed having her and playing with her and laughing with her and rolling around the floor with her when everything was going well, but when things started to get a little bit foul, I decided she needed to go to her mom. You know, when she was in a good mood and she was cooing and happy and all that, I said, come to daddy. But when things got bad, I would say, go to mama. And I would pass her off to mama. I didn't want her anymore. I loved being dad when she was fun. But when she was crying and it was 2 a.m. and she was stinky, I wanted to pass her off to mom. And we're that way with the will of God, aren't we? Man, we enjoy the will of God when there's praise and acclaim and everybody's on board with us and we want to charge hell with a squirt pistol when the army's behind us and ready to go with us. But when the circumstances go south, what are we going to do? We want to pass it off to somebody else. I don't want to be a part of that. And yet if we're going to give our life to something that matters, we're going to have to, number one, we're going to have to go regardless. This is what Epaphroditus did in Philippians chapter 2. The Bible says that he was sick, he was nigh unto death. Why? Not regarding his own life. He didn't think about himself and his own life and his circumstances. He just thought about his calling. And he says, you know what? My calling is bigger than my circumstances. And he went even though he did not feel like it. What a blessing it is to serve God. But can I tell you something? What a privilege it is to serve God in spite of our circumstances. Not just when things are going right. John 15, Jesus says that greater love hath no man than this, that he lay his life down. What is that saying? In spite of our circumstances, we fulfill our calling. We go regardless. This is what Christ did on our behalf. And if we desire to have a memorial that matters, that our life counted for something other than our hobbies and interests in this life, we must be willing to go regardless. 
read a, a sad statistic the other day. 70% of Americans claim that they have no living heroes. 70% of Americans have no living heroes. Now, it doesn't mean there are not many out there. There's heroes out there, and our policemen, our firemen, and those that are just faithful to the Lord. Those are definitely heroes, but I would definitely agree that those great figures that we can look to on the world stage are becoming fewer and fewer and fewer. Why? I believe it's because of political correctness. Nobody's willing to stand up and make a bold, courageous statement either on behalf of right or on behalf of the Lord. Why? Because it's politically incorrect. The circumstances do not lend themselves for someone willing to take a stand for the cause of Christ or the Word of God. And so we're having less and less heroes. Why? Because people are not willing to go regardless. They want the circumstances to be just right. I told you before of David Livingstone and how he received word from his mission agency that as soon as he found clear roads for the missionaries to crisscross Africa to let them know and they would send missionaries. And he quickly replied to them that if your missionaries need roads, then I don't need them. He didn't need people who had to have the right circumstances. What he needed was trailblazers willing to do the will of God because that's what they were called to do. And it's men like David Livingstone who left an impact on this planet. Why? Because he went regardless and he left behind a legacy and a memorial that matters. I desire to have that in my life. I really do. I'm only 40. The older I get, the more I begin thinking, okay, am I closer to that finish line or closer to the starting line? I hope I'm somewhere in the middle here. But I'm thinking about what I want to leave behind and the impact that I'll have when my life is gone. And I, I want to have a memorial that matters, that he gave his life and he gave his time and he invested his years and he invested his hours and he invested his energy in something that matters. But the only way that we'll have a memorial that matters is an unconditional commitment to what we're called to do. And that's what it boils down to. What are we called to do? What has God called us to do? I was reading about Esther today, and I noticed something I've never really preached on before. But as Esther is talking with Mordecai, Esther utters these words, so will I. I thought that was actually going to be the message today, but the Lord just let us use that as a part of the message. She said, so will I. She said, I will go in unto the king. I'm going to do it. So will I. And we look at this great country. And boy, how America has mattered to the world. And it's because throughout the ages of this country, throughout the decades, and all the conflicts and all of the wars, there were people that were willing to raise their hand and say, so will I. I will. I'll give my life. I'll give of my time. I will leave my family. Hey, so will I. I'll sign up. Why? Because they wanted to have a memorial of something that matters, and they gave their life that we could be here today and have the opportunity to worship God. So number one, notice, a memorial that matters. The testimony of these men were, number one, that they were relentless. Uh, Oh, they went regardless. I'm sorry, relentless is number two. Look down at verse number 10. The Bible says that he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. Notice that. The Bible says that he's in the heat of battle, and he's swinging his sword, and the Bible says that he smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. Now, here's what I want you to see. Not only did these men show up, okay? They didn't just show up to be spectators. They showed up, and they did something. The Bible says that when he arose, that his hand clave to the sword. Number two, notice, their fight was relentless. Their fight was relentless. They went regardless. Number two, their fight was relentless. 
Something we need to understand tonight, whether you're called to full-time ministry or not, whether you're called to teach a class, you are called to something. And a calling is not something you can put down. It's something that God puts in here, and once we take up that sword, it's not something that we can lay down. Why? It's in here. It's burning in here. It's something that God put in there. It's a burden upon your heart. I was speaking with a young preacher this week, and he's trying to figure out what God would have him to do and where God would have him to go. And uh, he says, man, I just don't know what to do. I says, well, the last thing you do is take the magic eight ball and shake it up. A lot of times that's what we do. We just want to say, I'm going to flip a coin, figure out what God wants me to do. I says, you get along with God, and you peel back the layers of all of your circumstance, and you'll find a calling that God puts in there. And when you do what you're called to do, because that's what God put in there, you can't put it down, and you can't relent, much like the sword in verse number 10. One of the statistics that stood out in my mind about September 11th, and usually around that time of the year, we begin to reminisce and think about it and read a lot of articles about it. And one of those things that jumped out to me was how many off-duty officers and firemen and first responders were killed in that. They were off-duty. They did not have to respond. They did not have to go. They were not on the clock. But you see, that was their calling. There was something burning on the inside. And they gave their life and have a memorial for giving their life for something that mattered. Now, folks, tonight, we got to understand, if we're going to live our lives and have anything that counts for Christ, our fight must be relentless. It's not something, you know, when I go home, believe it or not, I take my tie off. I do not have pajama ties. Preacher, don't have those. I don't have a tie swimsuit that I, I go swimming in. I don't have vacation ties that I wear on vacation. I take the tie off. When I got home today, I took that old sweaty suit off. It was so sweaty. I took that off, got rid of that. But we cannot take off our calling. That's something that's on the inside. That's who we are. That's what God's called us to do, and we cannot put it down. The Bible says that his hand was, he was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. It reminds me of Gideon. The Bible says that as Gideon's fighting in chapter number 8 of Judges chapter 8, the Bible says that he is faint yet pursuing. Gideon's tired, and Gideon's beat up, and Gideon's been in the battle, and yet Gideon is pursuing even though he doesn't feel like. Why? Because that's his calling. He was relentless. I believe we'd see a different country tonight. I really do. If God's people were just relentless in our calling. I was thinking about this afternoon, what slows me down. Now, I'll be honest with you. You've got to be honest with yourself to really begin looking at the things that slow you down and hold you back. And I want you to know, whatever slows you down or holds you back is what's going to keep you from having a memorial that matters. There's a lot of things that don't bother me. There's a lot of things I've never been tempted to do. A lot of things I've just never even given a second thought. And those things don't bother me. But there are things that bother me. And there are things that get to me. And there are things that slow me down. There are things that hinder me. And I must understand, if I do not have perseverance and pursue the will of God with relentlessness, listen, what's going to happen is I'm going to get to the end of my life and I don't have anything to show that matters. Why? Because I allow those things to keep me from getting where God was calling me. I want you to notice real quick, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want you to see something. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and let's look at the Apostle Paul real quick. We're doing good on our time. I told Brother Brent, preaching out in the sun just drains you. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, and let's look down to verse number 24. I want you to see the, see the Apostle Paul tonight. The Bible says, this is some of the things Paul went through. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. 
Once was I stoned, thrice I suffered, suffered shipwreck a night and a day. I've been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of waters and perils of robbers and perils by mine own countrymen. How sad is that? In perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Most of us would have quit by the end of verse 26. Verse 27, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. We see all that Paul went through. And yet Paul was relentless. He was just relentless to fulfill the will of God for his life. Why? Because he was doing something that mattered. If we want to have a memorial that matters, we're going to have to be relentless in the things that matter. That's why Paul says he presses toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Let me ask you tonight, I ask you the same question I posed to myself, the same question the Holy Spirit posed to me. What does it take to slow you down? What does it take to slow you down and what does it take to stop you? What does it take for you to divert away from the will of God for your life? What is it? Whatever you fill in that blank with, it's what's going to keep you from having a memorial that matters if you do not be relentless in the pursuit of the will of God for your life. Oftentimes we joke about having a Sunday best. I'm going to put on my Sunday best and it's a blessing. See people dress up for church. I think it's something you ought to dress up for. But our calling is not a Sunday best. Our calling is a Monday best and a Tuesday best and a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday best. We've got to be relentless in the pursuit of the will of God for our life if we desire to have a memorial that matters. And what a blessing these men's names are contained in the word of God as mighty men. Why? They're relentless. They didn't back up. They didn't quit. They didn't slow down. I can't find this in scripture, but uh, I'm pretty sure we can... uh, draw this hypothesis, and that's the fact that Satan does not sleep. Sometimes I even think he gets in my dreams and tries to scare me in my dreams at times. He does not sleep, and he does not relent, and he does not let up. And if Satan's not going to let up, then I'm going to tell you something. God's people can't let up either. We've got to be relentless in the pursuit of the will of God for our life. What does the Bible say in Proverbs chapter 4? The Bible's talking about the wicked. It says they don't sleep except they have done mischief. They don't sleep well unless they have caused someone the trip, verse 16 has to say. That's why God's people have got to be relentless. We've got to make sure that we are focusing in on the things that are going to matter. Let's read one more verse and look at the last thing tonight. The Bible says in verse number 11, And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. The Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. Verse number 12, watch this testimony. I think all of us would love to have this one. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. That's what the Bible says that Shammah did. The Bible says that he stood in the midst of it. When everybody else was running away, the Bible says that Shammah stood in the midst of the ground and he defended it. He saw what was going on and he saw the Philistines were picking on the people who had the field of lentils and the Philistines chased them off. And yet the Bible says he went and stood right in the middle of it or right in the midst of it. Number three, I want you to notice tonight, if we're going to have a memorial that matters, we must have a stand that's remorseless. A stand that's remorseless. This week in, uh, in politics, uh, if you keep up with that, I noticed that President Biden had another, uh-oh, or Vice, Vice President Biden, I'm sorry, that was a scary thought for a moment, 
when I said President Biden, Vice President Biden had an uh-oh moment that he said something he shouldn't have said, and he just kept trying to reel it back in. He apologized for the statements that he's made, and all politicians on the right and the left, they always do that, and they try to walk back things. And they tried to clarify things that they said while under the influence of cough syrup or something like that. They don't stand by their words. They make a statement that they honestly believed in, and yet when it was politically incorrect, they start backing off or walking back those statements. And yet we see real men of God here in verse number 12. He takes a stand, and he maintains that stand. He was unashamed of the place that he was standing. And I want you to know something tonight. God's people have got to quit apologizing for the stands that we make. We apologize for the word of God, and we apologize for offending the world. Now, look, I don't go out to be offensive, but if the truth offends us, I hate to tell you, I'm not going to change the truth. Look, I'll try not to be offensive, but we can't apologize for the truth. Why? It's the truth that's going to make us free. It's the truth that's going to release the sinner from their shackles. We can't apologize for the word of God and the stands that we take. We must be remorseless when it comes to standing for what is right. And we see this man who had a memorial that mattered. Why? Because his stand was remorseless. He just stood. I think about what a blessing it would be to our families today if we just had some dads that would stand and not be remorseful for the right stands that they're taking. The Apostle Paul would say this. I'm going to read this one for you. You can turn there if you like. In 2 Timothy chapter number 1, the Apostle Paul says this. Verse number, look down, verse number 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed now notice Paul is suffering for who he is and the stands that he takes and for the gospel that he preaches. And yet he says, I suffer, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Now, if there was anybody who had a memorial that mattered, it was the Apostle Paul. Why? Because he was remorseless in his stand. Now notice where Shama stood in verse 12, but he stood, the Bible says, in the midst of the ground and defended it. He was not a sideline guy. The Bible says he stood in the midst or he stood in the middle. He came between the threat that was there and the people that were being threatened, and he stood there. Man, what a guy. I mean, I don't know what this guy looked like. This is the kind of guy you want a poster on your kid's wall, not a sports guy. This is the kind of guy you want on the wall of our kids. Why? Because he stood between the threat and those that were being threatened. Is that what God calls us to do today as the church? We're supposed to go and get in the way between the threat, which is hell, and those that are being threatened, those of the lost and on their way there, and we try to stand between them and keep them from going there. This is what Shama did. Shama just got in the way, and he was unashamed of his stand. Verse 12, one more time, the Bible says, he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. You know what we're seeing here? Verse 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, we're seeing what God can do with people that will go regardless, that will fight relentlessly, and people that are remorseless in the stand that they have. Tomorrow we will honor and observe those who gave their life for something that mattered. And I hope that that'll stir our heart just a little bit. Now, you may not be called to be a part of the military, but you are called to be a part of the army of God. And you ever think at the end of your life, whether you're going to look back on your life and have a memorial that you did something that mattered? 
that God would write about you and say, this was one of my mighty men or one of my mighty women or even like in the case of David, one of my mighty young people. And they gave their life, they gave their selves, and they have a memorial as able that speaks on long after their life that they gave their life for something that matters. And I'll give you this before we close. This is exactly what Jesus did. And I want you to think about the pattern that he set for us. We saw where Jesus went regardless. Romans 5, 8, the Bible says that he died for me while I was yet in my sin. That while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. He came down from heaven. He went regardless of the circumstances. Aren't you glad? I'm so thankful that he did not allow the circumstances to scare him off. And then you think about his relentlessness, how in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was even tempted in the wilderness, he was relentless in his stands. And yet we continue to see him before Pilate. And Pilate has him on trial and gives him an opportunity to back out of the stands that he has taken. And yet he is unashamed. We see Christ being remorseless. And because of that, you and I are saved today. What a memorial that matters. It's mattered to the entire world, past, present, and future. And it makes us wonder what kind of memorial we're going to have. As we observe those who gave everything that we might have, the country we have, what are you willing to give tonight that others could have the salvation that you have? Or to be a part of the will and the work of God like you're able to here at Central Baptist Church. And the seriousness of the matter tonight, for most of us, we give our lives to things that really are not going to matter. So tomorrow as we go through this day of observation, this day of memorial, let's reflect upon our life. And what are others going to have after us because of what we gave towards something that matters in the present? So our heads bowed and eyes closed.